Happy Mother's Day. Why don't you turn to a mother real quick and tell them Happy Mother's Day. That video is no short from reality. That is pretty much my wife's life. So I just, real quick, before we start, I want to honor my wife. She's an incredible wife, incredible mother. Um, But before the word is brought to you this morning, my mother is going to be teaching. And before she gets up here, um, yes, you can clap for that. For, for 26 years, um, we've celebrated, I've celebrated Mother Day, Mother's Day, and um, it's pretty much been the same every year. And this year um, is a lot different for me because over the past two years, um, as you know, our family, have wa- our family has walked through some difficult times, and um, I have seen the faithfulness of my mom continuously and relentlessly pursue God, constantly pushes me to want to know God more. Um, Through my dad battling with two years of cancer, through children that don't want to heed her word and discipline and instruction and running and wanting to do their own thing. Um, I've seen my mom at her weak points. I've seen her at her strong points. But the one thing that I love about her is that she's constantly pursued God. And uh, my love for preaching has come from my dad, but my true love for teaching God's word, that is from my mom. My mom is a teacher. She's a good teacher. And this morning, would you guys stand with me and welcome my mom. Am I on? Good. Good morning. Uh, Happy Mother's Day. Are y'all surprised I'm up here? So am I. (laughs) Two weeks ago, I asked my husband, I said, are you going to be preaching a Mother's Day message? He goes, no, not really. I said, can I? He said, sure. I know this is God. You know why? First of all, because I have no idea why I volunteered to do this. (laughs) And second of all, I haven't tried to back out, which that's a miracle. Because usually if I'm about to get up here a few days before, I'm like, oh, baby, I can't can't do this. You're just going to have to preach. You're just going to have to teach. You're going to have to come do our grown-out. I I, I can't do it. What what I got to say doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't do that this time. Aren't you proud of me? Yes. (laughs) So today... First of all, thank you for whoever got those beautiful flowers for us, Pastor's Wife. That was so sweet. Thank you very much. And I love my son, Zach. He's an incredible son. So thank you, Zach. But today, I'm here not just to honor mothers, but to honor motherhood. Because the truth is, inside of every woman and every girl and every teenager in this place is the gift to mother and the gift to nurture. Is that not true? And even if you have not been able to birth a child of your own, adopt a child of your own, or help raise stepchildren, you still have the gift of motherhood inside of you. There is something in us as women that we want to nurture. And I have seen that in my little girl. As many of you know, we have five sons And then after 20 years of marriage, we were blessed with a little girl. And I have seen it from the time that she can talk, the gift to nurture, and the gift to mother. It's inside of her. God put it inside of her. I have tried to get my sons to be more like a mother, but it never worked. (laughs) They just do not see the things that I as a mother see. And it has been so refreshing to have my daughter where she notices the thing, Mama. Did you see the mud they brought in on the floor? The boys are like, 
son, did you see you just drug in that mud? I didn't see anything, mama. But she sees the things that I see. She wants to nurture like I do. She takes her little baby dolls from the time she was little and she puts them to bed. And even now she's eight years old. And I go in there and her room is a wreck because she's made a little bed and tucked all of her dolls in. And she has them all covered up. Or she has her cat in her baby bed all wrapped up. And even, okay, all of you know that we finally have a cat because we have a daughter. Woo! (laughs) And because, like Zach said, the last two years, our life has not been quite normal. It has been absolute chaos, hectic, trauma, just many, many things going on. And so we got this cat for our daughter, but we did not get the cat fixed, so now the cat is pregnant. Okay. (laughs) We didn't plan it, I promise. But I see the gift to nurture in my little girl. Luke goes to pick her cat up, and she's like, bawling, Luke, don't touch her. You might hurt her babies. You might damage them. You must treat her with care. Luke doesn't care. He just throws the cat down, and the cat wobbles away. But in her is the desire to nourish life and to protect life. And we were all nurturers. And what is nurture? It is to care for, it is to protect, nourish, and help someone or something grow and flourish. We as mamas and we as women love to see things grow and flourish. Men like to build things. They like to build businesses or they they like to build cars or houses. We like to nourish things. And I love that gift that God has given us. I can still remember finding out being pregnant with my first child. And I never, ever had experienced that kind of joy. And I remember getting into the pregnancy and feeling that baby move inside of me. And just telling God, I feel so satisfied. I had never felt so satisfied in my life to be able to nurture something inside of me. And I was just so proud of Zach, that first little baby. And my husband can, can remember the first time we brought that little baby to church. He was just a couple weeks old. And we, we pull up to our little church in downtown Tacoma, Washington. And he goes, I'll bring the baby inside. And I was like, no, you're not. he's like but he's my son I want to show everybody my son I said I don't know the exact words that I said but I was like listen buddy I carried that baby for nine months and gave birth in anguish with no epidural I am carrying that baby in the church (laughs) so guess who won that argument I brought that baby into the church but even though being a mother And someone needing me to survive was the greatest joy that I've ever had. Being a mom has also brought out the ugliest things in my heart. Because many of you don't know all of my story or my testimony, but I gave my life completely and wholly to Jesus at just 12 years old. I read the entire New Testament. I was so hungry for Jesus. I had teachers at school who would have Bible studies. And so all through junior high and all through high school, I served Jesus. I spent time with Jesus. I loved Jesus the best that I knew how. Now, my mom always brought us to church. My, My dad didn't go to church. But she really didn't know Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. She had a fear of God. She tried to live a righteous life. Um, And so when I met my husband, and he'd only been saved four months when I married him, and maybe about four, 
no, when we met, he'd been saved about four months, but when we married, about four years. So I had known the Lord all these years, and the sin, I used to think, I don't have a testimony, because you, you'd hear guys like my husband, I used to do drugs, alcohol, women, all that stuff, and I'm like, well, I, what, did I, what did I do, you know? I, and I didn't see my sins of self-righteousness and pride and that I had the attitude of a Pharisee that, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm this. And, and when I had children, it began to bring out the ugly things in my heart, the pride, the anger, the resentment, the exhaustion. And I realized that those things were just as ugly as the things that my husband had done generational curses, flaws, things that I never knew that I had. Children will do that to you, you know. <laughs> because I was deceived. Nobody, and I tell you, nobody told me how much work and how hard it was to be a mother. I can still remember when Zach was six weeks old. And when, when I grew up, I always slept really good, honey. And so when I had to start getting up with the baby, I can remember calling my oldest sister. She had three boys at the time. And her youngest was right about a year when Zach was born. And I remember, Zach was about six weeks old. I remember calling up, when do these babies sleep through the night? And she's like, well, Kurt's a year old, and he's still not sleeping through the night. I was like, I'm not going to live that long. <laughs> I don't know how I can do that. And nobody told me how hard. And even if they had told me, I probably wouldn't have got it. I had no idea. I believed a lot of lies. So after I, one of the lies I believed that after that baby stage was over and I finally could get a little bit of sleep, that it would get a little bit easier. But it didn't. Because after I started sleeping through the night, then I had a toddler who would flush things down the toilet and I never knew where he was or where he was going, put things in his mouth and try to eat crayons and chalk. And about that time, you're pregnant with another one and the whole cycle starts over, right? And then you think maybe that you get into school and it'll be easier, but then you have homework to do and you have kids like Zach, who didn't like to go to school and who'd cry and scream and would lie about doing his homework. <laughs> it never got easier. In fact, the older I've gotten, it's gotten much more difficult. Teenage years. And then for those of you who are past 50 like me and you have grown children and you see them doing things that you're like, oh, why are they making that decision? It never, ever gets easier. I also believe the lie that if you live a godly life in front of your children and you teach the word to them, they will automatically just serve Jesus, right? Not. Not. It's been a very difficult road to try to transfer that relationship with God that my, my husband and I have to our children. Because just because they grow up in a church doesn't mean they will automatically know Jesus. An old singer, a friend of ours, Keith Green, used to always say, going to McDonald's doesn't make you, just because you go to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger any more than going to church makes you a Christian. Just because we brought our boys here, they all came to a point in their life where they had to find Jesus for themselves. And with some, it was easier than others. Some of our sons are still battling through that process to find Jesus as their own 
personal Lord and Savior. And the other lie believed is that my husband would also have the gift of mothering inside of him. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> but to tell you the truth, men don't. The beauty of fathers and mothers is that I've heard many theologians say that when God took out of Adam's rib, he took Adam's rib to make Eve, he actually took half of Adam out, right? Half of his personality. And to me, what I think is the father represents the strength, the truth, and the authority of God. But us as a mother represents the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God. Now, I love being that part. <laughs> How many of you like being that part? But to tell you the truth, there's been seasons in my life, and you may be shocked by this, that I felt on the nerve verge of a nervous breakdown, a panic attack, or how many of you moms have ever had the urge to just walk out the door without telling anyone where you're going and when you're coming back. <laughs> I've even been tempted to just get on a plane and go to Hawaii by myself <laughs> and call them from Hawaii. <laughs> Does that shock you? <laughs> it shouldn't, because those who know me well know that I'm just as human as you are. And those who love me and are my closest friends have really become my closest friends because they've honored and served the position God's given me as mother of the church. Because not only am I a mother to six children, I'm also the mother of this church. They've honored and served that position, yet they've allowed me to be human at the same time. Because that's the truth. I'm just as human as you are. Because to be gut level honest... I've battled probably just as many temptations and sins as you have. You know, some of you probably look at my husband and I and just think, we've been married almost 29 years. We have the perfect marriage, and all our children are perfectly serving God. Those who are close to me know that is not the honest truth. We have had many battles with some of our sons. Many nights of praying all night. Many times of fasting. Many times I've been up till midnight, three and four hours talking to some of the sons. They'd speak a lie, I'd speak the truth. They'd speak the lie, I'd speak the truth until finally you'd feel the sense and the presence of the Holy Spirit and that you'd feel them break down, okay, and give in to that truth. In fact, one of our, our sons recently told us that, um, well, first he tried to tell us, my life is what it is because You've told me so many things, you've made me miserable. And at first, that kind of offended me. Then I walked away and I thought, good, I'm glad you're miserable because you're miserable because you've heard the truth, you know. And that truth has waged war within your flesh. And therefore, when you go to do things that you, do not, that you know do not honor God, there is that war. And so I'm glad because he, he told me, none of my friend, other friends feel miserable like this. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> because we, speak to the, we will not stop speaking the truth to you. And um, so it's been a battle. It's been a battle. And in fact, one of the biggest battles that I've fought in my life is not just with my children, but with my husband is the battle of resentment. And it goes back to what I've told you. I've tried for many years to make my husband a mother like me. <laughs> Because without knowing it, I was trying to make him see, hear, smell, feel, and sense what I did as a mother. 
And you know what? God didn't wire him that way. He didn't wire him that way. God wired me that way. Do you know women actually have better smell, better hearing? You know why? Because when that baby cries, you can hear him. I've had times my husband would be babysitting the baby. I come back in from Walmart. I was like, what's that smell? He's like, what smell? You don't smell that poopy diaper? I didn't smell anything. <laughs> Thank you, machine. <laughs> they don't. And there's other times I've had to go. And we've had children, and I'd be like, baby, something is wrong with that son. What do you mean? He's fine. I'm like, you need to talk to him. He's like, the last time I talked to him, he seemed fine. I'm telling you, something is not right in his spirit. And he has had to learn to listen to me because God put inside of us a sense with our children. And I don't know if it's that maternal bond that we carried them inside of us, that we just know, sense, and feel things. I can smell, I can look at my kids' eyes and go, there's something not right with you. Just like, and it starts from the time they're little babies, that baby wakes up from a nap and you're like, they don't look right. I've seen Claire do that. Feel them. Do they feel warm? Sure enough, you take the temperature, there's a fever, something is wrong. That mama can look at that eyes, look at that baby's face and go, don't look right. And that same thing carries on in their teenage years. It might not be the fever, but there's some sin, there's something in their life that I sense. And freedom has really come when I've rejoiced in the gift that God has given me, the gift to mother. And don't try to make them like that. I can sense those things. Now, he's learned more as a father that when I say something isn't right, he better check it out because it's something God has given me. So, no, he doesn't smell the poo. <laughs> he doesn't hear the baby crying. He doesn't see that look in that child's eyes. He doesn't see the mess. He doesn't always see that we work about 100 hours a week. 14 hours a day, 6 in the morning to 10 at night. That is about the average. No offense to man, but we do. We live in our workplace, so we constantly work. And my hat's off to you women that work because I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Just to keep up with my, my children and the, the work in my house. I, I've tried to work part-time a few times, and I'm like, after about four months, I'm like, I quit. I can't do it. And so I honor your mothers that can do that, that can work and raise children. That really, really takes a lot. So no, he doesn't see those things, but I rejoice in the gifts that God has given me. And the truth is, nine out of ten times, if I would just tell my husband what I need, what I see, and what I sense, he's more than happy to help. But for some reason as a mom, we want him to know it and see it too. But he's not going to. Because I'm like, can't you see the mess? No, they can't see it. <laughs> but if I, in honor, just ask him to help, he's usually more than happy to help. Now, if I act, ask for help in anger or resentment, he doesn't like that. And honestly, I wouldn't like that either. But if I, in honor, just say, hey, can, can you put the kids to bed? I'm still busy doing something else. Sure, no problem. Instead of, man, don't you ever put the kids to bed? Don't you ever give the bath? No, but in honor, yes, he does help. He will never be a mother and see things like I do because a mother understands what a child does not say. And if you think about it, a mother is actually the first picture of God that a child has. You know, we always talk about the father heart of God 
and we pray to our Heavenly Father. But the first picture of God that a child has is from his mother. The nurturing, feeding, caring, that's a picture of God. And you think of even the sacrifices of mothers. There's many, there's mothers that will literally lay down their life for their child. I've seen that mama with new babies. I've seen that with Paige, you know, those first few weeks. Don't hold my baby. Don't, put, don't breathe on my baby if you have a cold. <laughs> Mothers were literally sacrificed their lives. I read a story, um, it happened years ago in South Wales, and a mother had taken her very young baby out to go visit a friend and had no idea, because back then they don't have the weather channel, uh, that a severe snowstorm was coming. And she got lost in the snowstorm with this very small baby, three or four months old, And nobody could go out to find her because the blizzard was too great. And so the next morning, they sent out a search party, and they were sure that the mother and baby were froze to death. And after so many hours, they did find them, and the mother was froze to death. But to their amazement, the baby was still alive. And the reason was is this mother had taken off her coat, her scarf, her hat, everything down to just a bare shirt, had wrapped that baby in all of this clothing, and after she had wrapped it, she had mounted her body over the baby, and they found her hunched over, froze to death. And when they pulled her body off and unwrapped the little baby, the baby was still alive. And that baby grew up to be um, one of England's prime ministers and one of their greatest statesmen. Isn't that an amazing story? The sacrifice is also a picture of Christ, how he literally died for us and laid his life down. The man's name was David George, by the way, but he literally gave, um, his mother literally gave her life, and he became an incredible person in England. But what an incredible picture of the mother compared to Jesus and how he lays his life down for us. So every woman in this room is called the mother someone. Like I said, you may not be a physical mother to a child, but there is somebody in your life that you can mother or you can nurture. You might say, well, I'm only 14 years old. There's a seven-year-old that's watching you and watching whether you live a godly life. There is someone to nurture. In fact, the need to nurture is so great. If you weren't able to have children or you have the empty nest syndrome and your children are gone, you're going to get that cute little fluffy fluffy kitten or that little puppy because you have to take care of somebody. My husband's stepmother, she was never able to have children. She considers us like her own children. But because she never had children, she always had a little dog. (laughs) And all my kids can testify, she literally spent thousands of dollars on these animals. This was her child. She had one dog that had cataract surgery in Houston. She lives in Lake Charles. I mean, whatever those animals need, why? (laughs) Because the need to nurture inside of her was so great. So I encourage you, if you're not a mother, and even if you are, there is someone that needs your mothering gifts. It might be a child in the neighborhood. Recently, my husband and I, there was a little young boy, I think he's 11 years old, and he was playing with my son, Luke. He'll come often and play outside. I've never allowed Luke to go to his house, um, don't know the mom or anything like that, and that's just always been our policy. Kind of live in a little house, and um, 
one day he was playing with Luke. It was, I guess, about a month ago. And it starts to get dark, so he's like, I need to go home. I'm like, okay, um, Ladarian, go on home. About 10 minutes later, he knocks on the door. He's like, my mama's not home. I'm like, what do you mean your mama's not home? He goes, and I don't know where, he, where she's at. 10 years old, okay? That's Luke's age, our fifth son. So I said, well, come on in. Until 9.30 that night, we have no idea where his mother is. I fix him a sandwich. He wolfs it down. I fix him another sandwich. He wolfs that one down. He eats an apple. He eats some chips. He drinks some milk. Starving for a mother's attention. And finally, my husband kept going back to the house, like, to see if she's there. She's not there. Comes back. I mean, he, he's like, I'm too scared to stay by myself. Finally, the mother comes home. He's like, boy, you know where I was. There's someone to nurture. For that small moment, we could show that little boy the love of Christ. And every time he sees me now, he sees me at the ballpark because he's playing baseball. He's always like, hey, hey. And my hope is, you know, that one day he will see the love of God and I can look at him and say, you need Jesus. Jesus loves you, you know. So there's always someone. There's neighborhood kids. You might have nieces or nephews. There's someone in your life because you're always older and further along than somebody, right? There's always somebody to nurture. All women are called to nurture. You know what? And stop saying you can't do it. You don't have the right personality, the right circumstances, the right gifts. I really get tired when women tell me, I just can't do that. I looked at one and said, why don't you stop saying I can't and start saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. Doesn't matter what your personality is, what your gifts are, you can. Abraham Lincoln once said that no one is poor who has had a godly mother. And you can't imagine the influence. I look at Timothy in the Bible. You all know Timothy who Paul um, discipled and brought alongside him. Timothy had his mother Eunice, his grandmother Lois, who had an incredible, incredible influence on Timothy, who now we have 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy in the Bible. And I believe these two women had a great influence on Timothy because you know what? There's no mention of Timothy's father anywhere in the Bible. For all we know, he was an ungodly man. We don't, we don't know. But those two women influenced him to greatness, and he won many, many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. So you cannot underestimate a godly woman. You'll never be poor, Abe Lincoln said. So what is a, a godly woman? I'd like us to go to Proverbs 31. You know, I know a lot of women who are scared of this chapter because it's called the virtuous woman. How many of you felt at times you don't measure up? I'm not a virtuous woman. But you can, through Christ, become that. And I'm just going to go through some of the verses of what that, being a godly woman, a godly mother, a godly nurturer, how you can influence others. Verse 10, and I'm just going to go quickly, says that she is morally pure. She lives right. She's capable. She's competent. She's efficient. And remember, where you are weak, he will be strong. Because I know what some of you are saying. I'm none of those things. No, we're not. I'm... You know, I am nothing. There's nothing. There's so many situations with my kids. I've just prayed, God, I don't know what to do. There's times I've just gone, God, <laughs> I look at this child. 
And I only got a mustard seed of faith right now. <laughs> My faith ain't big because I look at the situation and I'm thinking, oh, God, I've only got a mustard seed. But your word says that's all I need. That's all I need. And God, I've prayed at times, God, take that little mustard seed of faith. And I'm believing you. I'm standing on your word. Couple, about a month ago, I looked at one child because God has really done a work in me over this last couple years and of raising boys and seeing the process, like I said, of getting them to come to know the Lord and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I used to worry a lot. <laughs> and Zach knows that. In fact, the boys contributed to part of that worry because <laughs> they would come in, you know, whether it would be Zach or Andrew or one of them, Mom, Mom, Matt's broke his arm and is dangling by a thread. I'd be running out there, oh, my God. Just joking, Mom. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but I'd always worry, you know, I'd always worry, you know. And when it was little, I'd worry things, you know, they have 104 fever. Oh, my God, they have meningitis, you know. And then they start to drive. Oh, God, they're, they're, they're 10 minutes late. They're going to be in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> How many of you ever gone through those as a mama? If you don't have teenagers yet, you might not quite be there. But over the years, I had to let that worry and fear go because, you know what, if I didn't, it was going to kill me. And by the time I got to the third or the fourth one driving and kind of getting out there, I was like, you know what, God, I've got to give this to you. I've got to give this to you. I've got to give this to you. And I've learned, though, even that, that God speaks to me. I'll sense when something's not right. I remember this one time Matt had had his driver's license three or four months. And him and Aaron Moore, you all know Alex, <laughs> Alex's brother Aaron, they were both working at Walker's Restaurant when it was by the Holiday Inn there. And I knew Matt was like kind of a daredevil. Like Matt never tested us with, I mean, he might have tested us with attitudes, but not other things. And uh, so him and Aaron were working, and I knew they got off at 10 o'clock. And I knew he would probably was going to bring Aaron home. So, you know, be home, I don't know, sometime after 10. So I was in my bed. I'd been reading, and I kind of just dove, dozed off. And all of a sudden, I woke up. It was 10 after 10, which isn't late if they get off at 10. You know, they got to clean up, close up. But something in me was like, something's not right. So I went out. I called Matt's cell phone. No answer. And I told myself, I said, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. And I've come back, and I'm going to call again. Go to the bathroom. Well, before I could get out to call again, my phone was ringing, and it's Matt. And he goes, I just told him my car. And Pastor Baba had cracked some ribs, and he had taken four out Advil, and he was out. I mean, like, for five minutes, I'm like, Baba, Baba, wake up, Baba, wake up. And I'm like, forget it. <laughs> I'm just, I get in my car. And the wild thing is he kept telling me, he kept saying, I'm like, where are you? Where are you? Are you okay? Is Aaron okay? You know, he's like, we're okay. And he's crying, he's, and I, you know. He had a little red Honda, a little hatchback. And I'm like, where are you? And I had to say it about 10 times because he's like, we're on the, the access road. I'm like, what access road? Like, you know, the janky bridge. I'm like, what do you mean by the janky bridge? Because in my mind, I'm like, 
Mike's restaurant, you go down Highway 26, right? Like, what, what, what are you doing over there? I don't understand. He's like, Mom, you don't have to understand. Just come. So I come, and there's a sheriff there because they're out of city limits. If you know where the Janky Bridge, if you go from my house and you're heading up 97 and you pass over the highway and you would take a left to catch the access road to Bethel Church, right? There's a sheriff out there. The car is in a ditch like this. And the sheriff tells me, he goes, um, I, first I go, Aaron, what are y'all doing right here? And how did this happen? He goes, oh, we were just out drifting. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, drifting? Like, drifting around town? <laughs> like, what's drifting? I don't know what drifting is. I didn't know what drifting was, but what drifting is, you find a sharp curve, and you push on the accelerator, then you slam on the brakes, so you drift on the road, okay? <laughs> and the sheriff goes, uh, ma'am, your son said that he was... Uh, doing 40 miles an hour around this curve. But I can tell by the skid marks he was doing at least 60. And Aaron Moore goes, we are going 80, Miss Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> they had run over, you know those util utility boxes that stand about this tall? Ran, mowed that over. It had come in the windshield if it hadn't come all the way through, it would have hit Matt's head right here. And there was a ditch of water that the bit, I don't know how the car stopped, an angel, that's all I know. They could, thank God they were wearing their seat belts because they could have been thrown into that ditch, knocked out. Matt cried for like two days. But the wild thing is, when I woke up at 10 after 10, I knew. I sensed, as a mama, you just know you sense things, you feel things, you smell things that daddies don't. And I knew something's wrong. And I began to pray. My stomach began to churn, you know, that feeling. And I didn't even know anything yet. But I think that's an amazing gift that we have. So back to Proverbs 31 after the math story. <laughs> hey, don't laugh. You go off on tangents too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, verse 11, she greatly enriches his life. Notice it didn't say she enriches his life, she greatly enriches his life. She makes his life fuller, more meaningful, causes him to grow. She is like fertilizer. Am I like that to you, baby? Amen. Good. <laughs> Verse 12, she does him good and not harm. And you might say, well, I've never harmed my husband. But how many of you have harmed him with your tongue? I'm raising my hand on that one. I've harmed my husband a lot of times with my tongue and had to repent. She does him good and not harm. Verse 14, she works hard. She stays busy. She isn't lazy. Did you know that laziness is a sin? Some of you, that might shock you. And let me just say this. If you always battle... With a messy house, a messy vehicle, you get in the vehicle and you slide on the banana peel or whatever. <laughs> it's not a personality issue. It's not a too busy issue. It's a hard issue. It's a reflection of some kind of messiness inside of here that God wants to fix. 
you know, because I've had many me women say, well, Miss Tracy, I'm just not like you. You always have your house in order and all that. It's not, and I'm not saying, there's been times, believe me, that my house is, it's like a tornado went off. Usually Sunday nights is like that. <laughs> but if it's constant battle with you, you might want to check what is a mess inside of here. What's a mess inside of here? Verse 15, she gets up early without complaining. Now, I added the without complaining for the two. Because <laughs> we get up all right with that baby crying. But I could see such a heart change from Zach down to Luke. With Zach, I was mad about having to get up at times. Not all the time. With Luke, I saw it as a joy. God had completely turned my heart around. I'm like, oh, I get to get up and feed my little baby. And that's a miracle. It really is. Or you might be getting up to clean up the throw-up. I don't know why I have to talk about Matt again, but Matt was always the throw-up on the floor person. <laughs> that boy never threw up in the toilet. Nathan was sharing a room with him. One time he comes in, Matt, Mom, Matt threw up on the floor again. It's running down the wood floor, into the closet, surrounding the shoes. I'm like, oh. And I can remember him being 16 years old, throwing up on the floor again. I cleaned it up, and I said, boy, let me tell you something. You were 16. If you ever throw up on the floor again, I promise to my living God, I will not clean it up. You will walk in it, smell it, throw your dirty clothes on it. I won't clean it up. He turns 23 next month. I've never cleaned up throw up on the floor again from that. <laughs> So she gets up at night and she sees to the needs of her household. 16, verse 16 and 17, she's wise with money. She's frugal. If you have a problem with money, again, you have a problem with the heart. I've seen God bless us so much because we have been frugal. We have been wise. In our younger days, if we didn't have it, we didn't get it. We didn't even have a credit card for the first five, six years of our marriage. And if we didn't have it we just didn't get it even if it was closed we just wore the same ones when we had our first duplex we had a borrowed couch a chair that came out of someone's tr trash <laughs> that had been dyed our bed and a metal desk that your pa our pastor gave us and uh, an old blue dresser that was mine but you know what I kept that place neat and clean and I believe because I did that because I was faithful in the little God gave me a little more. And when I, with that little more, I was faithful. And he gave me a little more. And he even blessed us in ways I couldn't dream. When we moved to Lafayette, I used to think, you know, there's no way we can ever buy a house because being in the ministry, I mean, it's just, um, from what I saw we made at that time, I was like, there's no way. God gave us a house when we lived in Tacoma, Washington. When we moved to Louisiana, we gave that house away. We gave it to someone else. My husband's stepdaddy found a house it was a repossessed house. They wanted 57000 He said, I'll give you 40000 cash. They took it. We took out a loan for 40000 and paid him back. That house later sold for almost 100000 We went to Broussard. Had no idea Broussard was going to boom. Bought a house and made money off of that. And even God just made a way where there seemed to be no way. And I believe a lot of it's because we, we always gave. We always tithe. We kept things neat and clean. And no, there's still been hard times. Absolutely. There's been times of trials and testing, but God has blessed us. 
So she's wise with money. Verse 20, she sees the needs of others and she does something about it. She doesn't just see the needs. I loved it when I saw different people show up for the crawfish boil to help us. You know, if you see a need, go and meet it. Verse 27, she watches everything carefully in her household. She is hospitable. She is warm. She's welcoming. Her children will rise up and call her blessed. And her husband will praise her. And then I love the verse that says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she will be praised. Doesn't matter how much beauty you have, how much charm, you could have a great personality. That doesn't mean anything. But if you fear the Lord, that's what people are going to see. So it's been a hard road. It's been a great road. Being a mom has been the greatest joy of my life, but also the greatest pain. You open yourself up because you love someone more than you've ever loved. And being the mom of the church has been the same way. Some of you, it's been incredible to see you get saved, baptized, grow, hear things like, man, my marriage has never been better. But then you have other people that leave and stab you in the back or say things. The same pain of being the mom and the father of this church. But you don't give up. You keep on going. You keep on giving. You keep having faith. And I remember I had one of the biggest breakthroughs with one of my sons about a month ago. And just one of these sons, like I said, we've been going back and forth, back and forth with. And he's been miserable because of some of his own choices. He is doing well right now. But I remember sitting at the kitchen table with him. And he was trying to make me miserable again with him. And something rose up in me, and I put my finger in his face, and I said, you will no longer determine my joy, my peace, and my faith. You can stay in misery. I will not. And something broke in my spirit. Because for so long as a mama, whatever my kids were going through, because Pastor Jacob would always say, a mama is never as happy as her saddest child. You could have some kids doing great, but if you have one that isn't, there's just something inside you that is sad and is not right. And for so long as that mama, I would let where my kids at determine my peace and my joy. And when I said that, it broke something because I said, you're not going to determine that. You're not going to determine how much peace and how much joy I have. And I think that kind of shocked him because I was like, I made a stand. I am going to love Jesus. I hope and pray all of my children love and serve Jesus all the days of their life. But if some don't, I still am going to. I'm still going to. And I'm going to believe for my children, my grandchildren. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's been good sharing with you. I've enjoyed it.